And now, coming to you from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting throughout the multiverse, the Nine Realms, Niflheim, Svartalfheim, Olympus, Nidaveller, basically anywhere that has the internet, really, we proudly present Radio Free Asgard. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 245. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin and a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Hey, if you're listening because you heard us on the Fantastic Cast, welcome along to the show. I know I welcomed you last week, but, you know, sometimes it takes a week or two for people to catch up on their podcast. And uh, so welcome along if you heard us elsewhere. Uh, feel free to go back and listen to our back catalog. Go back to the very beginning of the Lee Kirby era with us and also and some of the other stuff that we've covered as well. Uh, you know, it started out a little different different uh, back in the, in the old days when we were really summarizing stuff and not really acting out the stories kind of the way we do now. But anyway, um, no Thor news this week. It's quite surprisingly enough and not, not even anything being posted on the, the Facebook page. But there was Doctor Strange news. And I have to say, I am looking forward to Doctor Strange. You know, Doctor Strange being one of my favorite characters, and I, I'm looking forward to the movie, even though I think that, that Benedict Cumberbatch is a little overexposed. I do have a uh, an inkling that Doctor Strange is going to be a really, really cool movie, so I'm really looking forward to it. All right, so we do have an issue of Thor, Son of Asgard to cover, so let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder, the god of thunder, mighty And this week we are continuing on with the series with Thor, Son of Asgard, at number eight. Joe Chen is the cover artist, cover shows the villainous enchantress in low light and she's summoning sort of green glow between her hands sort of a magic ball sort of thing and is lighting her up she's not being lit up with with green highlights however which is kind of weird but that would be maybe a little bit too green lantern-y, i guess anyway so she's got this green glow between her hands and it's just illuminating her and she's in the dark room and i will say it's a beautiful beautiful cover really she looks nice uh, the lighting is really moody and even, even though the cover kind of emphasizes her boobs I still like it. Anyway, uh, so we open up to the splash page where we have the credits. Akira Yoshida was the writer. Greg Tocini is the penciler. Guru EFX is the colorist. VC's Randy Gentili was the letterer. Joe Chen cover, as we said. Mackenzie Cadenhead is the editor. Ralph Macchio is the consulting editor. Joe Casada was the editor-in-chief. And Dan Buckley was the publisher. As warriors trained to defend Asgard from any threat, Thor and Sif have fought dragons, battled goblins, and slain trolls. Now they are forced to confront something for which neither is prepared, their feelings for one another. After defeating Sif at school in sword combat, Thor tries to console her, believing she is upset about the loss. 
Compassion soon turns to passion, however, and just as the teens are about to kiss, they are interrupted by the young enchantress, Amora, who seeks to win Thor's affections for herself. The next morning, Sif desperately tries to put aside her jealousy and forget about the events of the previous day. But upon arriving at school, she is shocked to learn, shocked I tell you, that a new female student has joined their class, a blonde bombshell named Brunhilde. Part 8, The Trio Triumphant. And the first few pages here that we get of the story are... are told without dialogue so i'll try to explain what's going on here but basically we have a retelling here of the story of how how sif's hair color changed uh we have uh, thor and loki and sif and they're playing in woods you know childish sorts of games and that you know just kind of frolicking around outside and then we have a scene of Loki sneaking into Sif's room at night and chopping off her hair. Now, this, of course, comes from the Norse mythology. And we've, we've actually told this story on the, on the show before. Although, you know, back in the day, I mean, they obviously thought Sif was an adult when this happened. And uh, she wakes up and finds her hair has been chopped off. And she goes yelling and crying to her mother. And we see that uh, Loki has her hair and is skulking around, holding it in his hand. And then he takes uh, her hair to some, it looks like goblins or trolls, and um, they do something or other with it. I guess they do their, their troll magic. And, she bring, and Loki brings it back to Sif and gives it to her and places it on her head, uh, sort of a wig, but as she's delighted to have her hair back, it turns black. Uh, it's like like it's being dyed from the from the uh, tips up to the to the top of her head. Now this is kind of a reversal uh, of the original story because as you remember in the original story, her hair was cut off and then it was replaced with hair that was actually made of gold. And so this is a little different here. So. Yeah, I don't think that this is actually in continuity as far as what the Marvel stories had established prior either. But I, I could be wrong about that. So anyway, we have uh, Sif and her hair is turned black now and Loki's, you know, she's all pissed at Loki because he's the one who caused it, of course. But um, she is there staring into a mirror and we see time passing as she, you know, gets older, grows up, and of course her hair is still dark. And we see images of, I, I suppose, her siblings. Or no, I guess it's it's actually you know it's, it's people like Amora and Brunhild, uh, the the uh, other uh, warrior women. And she says, a "Black sheep amidst a fair-haired flock." So I, obviously it's a little unusual for for these Viking chicks to have black hair. Though I don't see why it would be because a lot of the guys do. So I don't know. It's a weakness of the story, I suppose. We then shift scenes to back to the quote-unquote present day uh, where we have the gathering of students in the courtyard and everyone's kind of gathering around Brunhild. And Brunhild is fondling Baldur's sword. No, really, his sword, not 
anything else. So they, uh, you know, they're all kind of gathered around her, and she's uh, examining the sword, and everyone, everyone is kind of looking at what's going on. Baldur's uh, smiling proudly, and Brunhild is like, "This is indeed a wonderful weapon, Baldur. Unbelievably light and balanced, an enchanted sword for an enchanting young warrior." And she, you know, swishing it through the air and just kind of giving it a try. And Baldur's like, dar, dar, yeah, and being smitten by her. And everyone is, is happy. And uh, Brunhild is talking to Thor and says, Now show me your blade, Thor. Surely the Prince of Asgard possesses an enchanted weapon worthy of his royal position. Because that's not like a penis reference or anything, is it? <laughs> anyway, so she's looking at him, and Thor kind of looks down and is all mopey. Says, "Although Odin's blood runs through my veins, my father treats me as he would any other warrior of Asgard. I receive no special favors, Brunhilda. To earn the right to receive an enchanted weapon, one must first prove himself in the All Father's eyes. One day I shall bear an enchanted weapon of my own. However." I have not yet proven myself worthy of such an honor. And he kind of gives a shrug and Brunhilda's looking at him kind of disappointed and he's kind of turns away. You, the Odin son, not worthy? Surely you jest. How could the ruler of Asgard not bestow an enchanted weapon on his favored son? Is this some new joke you play on all the new students? And Baldur comes up and says, um, I can assure you this is no joking matter, Brun." How dare you, says, says Sif, and, and um, comes up and says, What right do you have to insult Thor? After only a day here with us, you feel the need to belittle him. I think Brunhilda simply thought, says Balder, I will not tolerate such disrespect. Good, I see you finally found your tongue, Sif. After all that sulking and pouting yesterday, I was beginning to wonder if a woman like you even deserved being in warrior's school. And that gets Sif's dander up a little bit. And the two of them, uh, Brunhild and Sif, kind of face off against each other, having like a, a stare down sort of thing. And Sif loses her temper, smacks Brunhild across the face with a whack, uh, knocks her down to her knees. And, uh, and she's ready to fight. And Brunhild gets up off the ground and she says, uh, I see I might have misjudged you after all. Time to test your metal maiden. And she belts Sif in the stomach with a flom and a whack. Uh, knocks her back. And she lands on her back with a whump. And the two of them are scrapping. Yeah, okay, it's just kind of a cat fight kind of a dealie here. And they're uh, rustling on the ground. Slam, crack, crack. Eventually, uh, Sif ends up being uh, you know, on the top. And basically, Sif has won the fight here. Have you had enough yet, Blondie, says Sif. And Brunhild is laying on the ground, uh, kind of touching her boob in a <laughs> way. And then Brunhild is like, funny you should mention my hair. I hope you're not too attached to yours. And she grabs uh, Sif's braids. Like, Sif has her hair kind of tied up in these two long braids with like a leather thong. So there, there's two of them. And she grabs them both, and she uses them as a leverage to flip Sif over and pins her to the ground using a wrestling hold and has uh, got her on the ground here. And, and Brunhild is like, have you had enough yet? 
and everyone's gathered around. And then the teacher interrupts, who the guy who I thought might be Volstagg a few issues ago is actually not. He's this big, burly, red-haired dude with a beard. Schiff, Brunhilda, both of you, get to your feet. My Odin's beard, what has come over you two? Fighting outside of lessons is strictly forbidden. Who started this ruckus? And nobody's saying anything. And then a voice comes from behind. Uh, it was Sif. Indeed, Sif struck Brunhilda first. Brunhilda was defending herself. Thor, do your classmates speak the truth? Y- yes, y- yes, sir. In her anger, Sif was first to land a blow. And Sif shoots Thor a dirty look. And he's told by the expression on Thor's face that he feels bad about it. But he, you know, he had to be honest. So, anyway. You and I will speak of this at length later, Lady Sif. This is no way to make Brunhilda feel welcome here. Both of you go and wash yourselves up separately. Brunhilda, you stay here and use our facilities. Sif, you go see what the sorcery school can provide you with. And uh, Sif goes off, ashamed, and people are whispering, and yeah, so bad bad news here for Sif. And uh, Sif is going over to the sorcery school, and goes in, and a voice comes, poor Sif. And it turns out to be, who else? Amora. And she's got this, like, shit-eating grin on her face. Having a little trouble adjusting to the fact that you're no longer the only girl in class. Jealousy is going to do wonders for your complexion. And she kind of caresses her on the cheek. But I'd bet the pain from that beating you just took is nothing compared to the hurt you're feeling inside. What do you? says Sif. You used to be the apple of Thor's eye. Could it be that Thor's had a change of heart? First he stood up for me when you chose to attack me. And just now, did he not take Brunhilde's side? Could it be that he has finally had enough of your brutish ways and wants to explore more feminine options? And Sif is upset by this, and she starts to cry. You witch! And goes running off. And we see uh, a figure lurking in the shadows and coming out and says, well done, Amora. Masterfully played. And of course, it's Loki. And so the stage is set, Loki. It's now up to you to take us through the final act of this little drama. Not to worry, Enchantress. Once I've played my part, Thor will only have eyes for you. And we shift to uh, where Sif is. It's like a fountain sort of thing. And she's sitting there and she's crying. We see her, her tears dripping into the, the pool of water here. And all of a sudden, Loki is standing behind her, and he's like, Good day, Sif. Loki, leave me be. I wish to be alone with my thoughts. Alone with your thoughts? Of Thor? Hold your tongue, trickster. You're best off not mentioning matters you know nothing about. Oh, but you see, dear Sif... Jealousy is a matter I do know something about. May I? And he's gesturing towards the fountain. And, um, you know, like, like he wants to sit down beside her. And she's like, if you must. So he does. And uh, they, this two of them start having this conversation here. As someone who's been on the receiving end of Amora's anger before, I know how much her words can hurt. You saw us? Oh, yes. 
I also caught your altercation with the new girl, Brunhilda, I believe. At least now we know to stay at arm's length from that brute. Not having a good morning, are you? You could say that. So what do you want, Loki? Why would I want anything from you, Sif? Can't I just lend an ear and offer some advice to an old friend? Loki, please, enough with the false pleasantries. You hate me just as much as I detest you. The sooner you spit out your intentions, the sooner you can stop being nice to me. Fine, I'll admit it. I need your help. My help? After all the trouble you've caused me over the years, what would make you think that I would ever lower myself to help you? You'd not just be helping me, you'd also be helping yourself. I want you to retrieve the Mirror of Mycha. The Mirror of Mycha? You know where it is? I do. I've also learned the spell that will unlock its magics. But how? It said only a woman's touch can bring the mirror to life. Which is exactly why I need your help in obtaining it. Once the spell is cast upon the Mirror of Mycha, those who look into it fall instantly in love with the person holding it. Why would you want to use it, Loki? I doubt there's any room for love in your black heart. Your words wound me, milady. But alas, the mirror can help us both. An enchanted push is just what my dim-witted half-brother needs to make him finally open his heart and return your affections. As for me, well, let's just say there's a young maiden upon whom my heart has become set. Amora? Aye. No matter how poorly she may treat me, I cannot escape her charms. So after you've used the mirror to captivate Thor, you will then help me make her mine. You have wronged me at every turn in the past, Loki. I see no reason why I should trust you now. I understand your caution given my past actions, Sif. However, you need not trust me. Put your trust in your feelings for Thor. What do they tell you? But if Odin were to ever discover, is Thor's eternal love not worth the risk? Allow me this one chance to make up for my past sins against you. We will both get what we truly deserve. You have my word on that, Sif. And the two of them like do a little handshake thing. And we see that Loki is crossing his fingers behind his back, which seems like a very un-Norse thing to do. But nonetheless, that's what he's doing. And we then shift scenes, and uh, we, we have uh, you know, a little bit of, of uh, narration here. Now, where will I find the mirror? To find the mirror, to find the one mirror, you must first locate another. And there, there's like a, a ruined attic sort of place, and there's a, um, I guess, it's not really a mirror, I guess, but it's sort of a like a throne or maybe a cosmic voyeuroscope type of thing. And it's sitting in this like ruined attic and we see Sif climbing up there and there's chains and stuff and yeah, nobody up there. It's like a, a purple couch with a little curtain behind it. And anyway, and behind the curtain is a mirror and we see Sif going in there and she finds the mirror and she reaches out and touches it and her hand actually sinks into the mirror. Like it's a, like water or a stargate or something. And so Sif passes through this mirror and comes out on the other side. And she comes out into a room full of, like, I don't know, it looks like buckets and baskets and scrolls and jewelry. And it's not really a treasure room. It's more like somebody's sitting room, kind of the look of it. 
So she's in there and she's looking around and she finds the mirror and it's uh, sitting on a um, like a table covered with a purple cloth. And when she uncovers it uh, and looks in the mirror, she sees an image of uh, Thor behind her, like kissing her neck. Uh, so this is obviously the right mirror. And the mirror is sort of, it's like head sized and round. And it's got like green jewels set into the, the frame. And then there's these sort of legs on either side that the mirror stands on. So that's basically what she's looking at. And she grabs it. She comes out through the mirror the way came, same way she came in. And goes through the, uh, the, the basically back into the old attic where she was. And, and uh, we see a couple of birds sitting there in the rafters that we don't really... Yeah, we kind of see them, but uh, we, we get a close-up of one of the raven's eyes. These are obviously Odin's ravens, so Odin probably knows what's going on here. Sif comes out with the mirror, and he's, Loki is there, and he's like, Did you get it? Yes, I've accomplished my part. Now you must live up to your end of the bargain. And she gives the mirror to Loki, and he says, Indeed I shall. Tomorrow we'll help Thor fall head over heels in love. And we then shift scenes to the next day. And we, looking down in the courtyard, we have Loki and Sif. And they're standing like in the gallery of a, a building next door. Looking down the courtyard, Thor and Brunhild are sparring. And uh, Loki says, From the look of it, we're not a moment too soon. See how he's fawning over her. And Sif is all jealous. She's like, that's quite enough. Cast the spell and let us get this over with, Loki. As you wish. And so Loki casts a uh, an incantation in runes, uh, so he can't read them, and makes the, the mirror glow and all that. He puts the cover back over the top of it, and uh, he says, it's done. Now all you need to do is have Thor gaze into the mirror. He will fall deeply in love with whoever's holding the mirror when it captures his reflection. And Sif goes running off and she's all excited and she is uh, trying to get to Thor, but uh, she gets stopped. She runs into something invisible with a zwash and falls over. And it turns out to be uh, Amora casting some sort of a spell, uh, like a petrification spell. So she... You know, it was kind of frozen on the ground. And Amora there's, is there kind of gloating behind her. And she comes up by Sif, who is just like laying down on the ground like a statue. I'll take that, thank you. She grabs the mirror away from her. Rather than knock you out, I've placed you in a simple petrification spell, Sif. This way you'll be able to watch Thor fall in love with me. And she grabs the uh, mirror from her, and she's heading off to where uh, Brunhild and Thor are, are, are sparring. Thor! And he turns around, he's like, Amora? And she holds the mirror up and shows, it, shows him his reflection in the mirror, and he falls in love with Amora. Yeah, because that was the plan all along. And we have a full-page spread here of Thor and Amora sucking face while Brunhild is standing next to them gasping and fondling her own boob and Sif laying on the ground like a statue doing absolutely nothing and we have 
to be continued. And that is Thor, Son of Asgard, number eight. And of course, we have a few things to say about this issue, just a few, after this message. Star Trek. Comic books. Mythology. Video games. Toys. Star Wars. Just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast, presented by two true freaks. Come join me, Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with. And be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. And we're back. And of course, I have a few things to say about this issue. Um, is it just me or has this series become like terminally soap opera-y? Yeah, this is a direction that I don't think is so good. Um, and I know that this harkens back to the, to the Silver Age where we had the sort of love triangle, you know, the sort of Jane Foster, Enchantress, Sif kind of thing going on. And I, I suppose that that was a, a thing, not so much in the main Thor book, but inside of like the Avengers and stuff like that. Because really, when you think about it, I think the uh, Enchantress and the Executioner didn't really appear very often in the Thor book in the, in the Silver Age. Maybe, I think maybe in the Bronze Age, they appeared a little bit more often. And the Enchantress did have this idea of getting Thor to fall in love with her. And I think eventually that ended up working, didn't it? Because I think he, she was the Queen of Asgard when he was the king. So, yeah. But anyway, um, but here we are. And we're seeing this sort of 90120 version of this. And again, it's not really to my taste. You know, I, I liked the idea of... You know, Thor, Sif, and Balder going off and having adventures as young people. But this is just a little bit too cliche for me. And I, I hate to say it that way, but I mean, there, there's a lot of good things to say about this issue as well. The artwork, for one, is pretty darn good. It's not the best that we've seen uh, from Greg Tocchini, but it is quite good. And we do have some really outstanding pages in here as well. The color work in particular, the the artwork in this issue is not really painted like we've seen in the past. It looks almost like it was done in colored pencil. Um, you can see that uh, some of the pages are very obviously digitally colored. And then some of the other pages look more like they were mechanically colored, like like with pencils or, or with, uh, with ink. Um, so I'm not really sure what's going on there. Part of it is the various effects that we're seeing, like the reflections in the water and that kind of thing. I'm assuming that that most of these comics were colored digitally because it's it's recent enough that uh, yeah they were using those kind of techniques. Um, but as far as the story goes, it's a, it's a bit basic and like I said, it's a bit cliche. Though there are, are parts of the story I think that are really well drawn. For example, Sif passing through the mirror. I think they did a really nice job of of having her go into you know this attic and go through. Um, yeah, and I and they they've done a good job of kind of telegraphing everything. But at this point, the story was kind of predictable. I mean, who didn't predict that 
you know, Loki was going to double cross Sif. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those insanely obvious things. So I don't know whether they're gearing this story less to the regular audience of, of Thor comics and more to some teenage girl audience that probably doesn't exist. Or, I, I don't know. So anyway, so as far as the story goes, it, it doesn't really float my boat. I do like the, the inclusion of, of Odin's Ravens. Obviously, this is going to become important later. Uh, but but by and large, the art's pretty good. I will say that uh, Tocini has improved his facial expressions. And, and the Loki in particular, I think that there's a lot more variety in, in the, the look uh, of Loki than in some of the other characters. Though it looks like they've also kind of aged Loki a little bit. Maybe it didn't seem like the, the sort of very young Loki that we've seen in the last few issues would be realistic, kind of lusting after Amora. So so it looks almost that they've aged him now to be the same age as, as Thor, Balder, and Sif. Then again, some months have passed, so maybe he's just grown or whatever. But yeah, it, it seemed a little little bit odd for me. The backward story of what happened to Sif's hair I thought was pretty interesting, even if it's not like what happened in the myths. It does actually establish that story in at least the continuity of this book. I have no way of knowing how this fits into the current Marvel continuity, if it ever did. But it is interesting. One thing I keep forgetting to mention is uh, in Sif's costume that she has, she kind of wears the same outfit in every in every issue of this and they have this weird white I don't know what you call it, it it's it's not really armor because it's obviously made of cloth but a sort of of white tunic sort of thing and it's tight and you know shows off her cleavage and all that but the, the uh it really reminds me of Phantom Girl's costume from the Legion of Superheroes the way that they have like these holes along her arm so it's like it's like a Mike Grell design, is, I guess is what I'm saying, or a Dave Cockrum design. But but by and large, I think the art is pretty cool. He's done a better job with it. We're not seeing so much of the ugly building thing, and we're, we're seeing more you know close up backgrounds rather than the far away backgrounds. So it's not really, uh, I guess it's not really applicable. And where they do show the buildings, they are still kind of a little bit ugly. But anyway. All right, so that's about it for this week, folks. Once again, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Now, if you want to contact the show, you can certainly do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also find us over on Facebook. Just look for Radio Free Asgard on Facebook, and you will find us. As for me, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. You have been listening to Radio Free Asgard, a production of Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The Mighty Thor and all associated characters are mostly copyright Marvel Comics. The stories presented are done so for educational, review, and entertainment purposes only. No ownership is implied. The silly voices, however, well, they're all me. Musical selections from Eden, the invincible sword of the Elfsmith, are copyright Mott's Vent and are used with permission. If you like what you've heard on the show, we hope you'll leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, or even join our Facebook group. We really love hearing from our listeners, and we appreciate all of your support. Thanks once again very much for listening to Radio Free 
Asgard.